Welcome to day 71 of Shaped by Words, season two, the drama of Scripture. And we find ourselves in the middle of the drama of the book of Exodus as God takes on the gods of Egypt and proves himself to be a God who is all-powerful, a God who cares deeply for his people and hears their heart cries. And of course, as he slowly, bit by bit, loosens the grip of Egypt on the people of Israel, and of course, he answers the question that Pharaoh posed in the very beginning, who is this God that I should hear him? And he proves himself time and time again. So this week we'll do a, a sampling of the plagues. We'll start out with the first couple of plagues, then we'll end up with the next few plagues. So we start today with plague of blood and the plague of frogs. But before we do, let's offer ourselves in this moment to the Lord. By the way, I'm Paul Kemp here with David Keefe, Matt Kresge, and Katie Kresge. Katie, why don't you lift us up? Sure. Word of prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you for this time together um, in your word. And um, Lord, would we just be encouraged by um, what we read today? Um, would you be in our conversation and in our midst um, as we engage with Scripture as your people all throughout um, the area, Lord? Would you meet us where we're at and um, continue to um, transform our hearts as we behold um, your son, and even though we're not specifically reading about Jesus, would you help us to see um, the shadows and the things that all the things that point us towards um, what you are doing to to redeem your people? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. To this point, uh, Moses and Aaron have demonstrated you know God's superiority through uh, you know through small you know kind of things with the rod and. Uh, with the staff, mm-hmm. and now it intensifies. And in the very first plague, he attacks the very heart of Egypt, the Nile River. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is unyielding, picking up, I'm sorry, in chapter 7, verse 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is unyielding. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning as he goes down to the river, confront him on the bank of the Nile, and take in your hand the staff that is changed into a snake. Then say to him, the Lord, the God of Hebrews, has sent me to say to you, let my people go so that they may worship me in the wilderness. But until now you have not listened. This is what the Lord says. By this you will know that I am the Lord. With the staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water of the Nile and it will be changed into blood. The fish in the Nile will die and the river will stink. The Egyptians will not be able to drink its water. The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, take your staff and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over the streams and canals, over the ponds and all the reservoirs, and they will turn to blood. Blood will be everywhere in Egypt, even in the vessels of wood and stone. Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded. He raised his staff in the presence of Pharaoh and his officials, and he struck the water of the Nile, and all the water was changed into blood. Fish in the Nile died, and the river smelled so bad that the Egyptians could not drink its water. Blood was everywhere in Egypt. But the Egyptian uh, magicians did the same thing by their secret arts, and Pharaoh's heart became hard. He would not listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had said. Instead, he turned and went into his palace and did not take uh, even this to heart. And all the Egyptians dug along the Nile to get drinking water because they could not drink the water of the river. Seven days passed after the Lord struck the Nile. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, This is what the Lord says, Let my people go so that they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go, I will send a plague of frogs on your whole country. The Nile will teem with frogs. They'll come up into your palace and your bedroom and into your bed, into the house of your officials and on your people and into 
your ovens and your kneading troughs. The frogs will come on you and your people and all your officials. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, stretch out your hand with your staff over the streams and canals and ponds and make frogs come out of the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt and the frogs came up and covered the land. The magicians did the same thing by their secret arts. They also made frogs come up on the land of Egypt. Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Pray to the Lord to take the frogs away from me and my people, and I will let your people go to offer sacrifices to the Lord. Moses said to Pharaoh, I leave you the honor of setting the time for me to pray for you and your thistles and your people, that you and your houses may be rid of the frogs except for those that remain in the Nile. Tomorrow, Pharaoh said. Moses replied, It will be as you say, so that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. The frogs will leave you and your houses, your officials, and your people that remain only in the Nile. After Moses and Aaron left Pharaoh, Moses cried out to the Lord about the frogs he had brought on Pharaoh. And the Lord did what Moses asked. The frogs died in the houses, in the courtyards, and in the fields. They were piled into heaps, and the land reeked of them. But when Pharaoh saw that there was a relief, he hardened his heart. It would not listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had said. So there we have it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the blood and the frogs. <laughs> Good way to start Monday off. So what are, um, what are some of the things that stand out as you guys read this passage? Yeah, we kind of see the phrase repeated over and over again, especially as we move through the plagues. Yeah. But, you know, as we see even at this kind of from the start, verse 16, you know, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, will say, you know, let my people go. And then in chapter 8, we see let my people go. And I love the heart of God. Obviously, he's here with his people. He's connected to his people. But even in kind of identifying with these enslaved people, it would almost appear that well, this is obviously a God who has no power and no strength to actually do anything because these are his people who he, he says they're the, he's the God of, and yet they're enslaved and in captivity. And yet, as we see kind of unfolding throughout the next few chapters, we will begin to see who this God really is mm-hmm. um, and how he is not just the God of these weak people, but he's the, the God of the universe who's able to control and in charge of everything. And so I just kind of love seeing he's associated with these weak people, which maybe will make you think he's weak, but he's actually not at all. He's, he's the strongest. He's um, displaying his strength. Yeah, in, which is just a nice yeah. nice little touch that they're showing us there. Yeah, Paul alluded to this in the intro um, today, but verse 17 of chapter 7, this is what the Lord says, by this you will know that I am the Lord. Um, and he that's a repeated phrase i mean a constant um, thing throughout the plagues and and that is how they know that he is the lord um and he continues to display his power um which is really really cool and and not only does egypt need to know who this god is but uh, the people of israel yeah. need to know who this god is mm-hmm. and uh, they need to see his hand at work and they need to see as you'll see as we go through the week a distinction that god makes between his people the people of israel and the people of egypt he knows mm-hmm. how to preserve his own, and he knows how to bring judgment on their enemies at the same time. And so you see this constant attack, you know, on the very, you know, lifeblood. And, you know, of course, that's kind of <laughs> no pun intended in this particular instance, but on the very life source of Egypt, the Nile, you know, the Nile River, both the, the frogs coming out of the Nile and the Nile turning to blood. Kind of interesting that the you know, magicians were able to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's You wonder... How? Once frogs were covering the land, they said, see, we could do this too. There's, yeah, frogs, there's frogs yeah. everywhere. And I that, did that frog. But one thing that yeah. the you know, magicians could not do is they could not remove the plagues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, although they could in some Add semblance of, you know, bring in, you know, both blood and frogs, 
and, and we're not really sure what that is, whether it is, you know, kind of deceitful, you know, trickery or whether it is kind of a demonic, you know, replication of the mm-hmm. works of God, which uh, <clears throat> we've been taught through Scripture can happen and does happen, yeah. uh, you know, in the book of Revelation as well. So we're not sure exactly what that is, but we know that they have limits. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. while they can produce frogs and while they can produce blood, they cannot, for some reason, you know, remove frogs. Isn't it such an irony, though? It's an irony that struck me uh, that they're able to produce these things, but really what they're doing is just adding to the destruction, <laughs> adding to, like, the chaos. Um, you just of turned something. that water into blood. That was your only good water. Yeah, yeah like, <laughs> yeah. way to go. As well, if we needed more frogs. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I think y'all are exactly right that one of the things that God's doing you know, it's not just going to display his power to Egypt, you know, and not, not just display that to Pharaoh that I am the Lord, although that is going to be one of those driving narratives. But Israel has to learn what kind of God this is and what it looks like to live faithfully. You know, and even just as we work through these plagues, we'll begin to notice that, you know, a lot of the plagues will get this note that they didn't fall on Israel, you know, but the land of Goshen wasn't touched or Israel walked in, in light until the last plague and Israel has to act in faithfulness to what God commanded and you know, and, and I love the interchange, even in this, this these two chapters where you get, you know, Moses and Aaron does everything the Lord command, just as the Lord commanded. And yet it's Pharaoh time and time again who will not do what the Lord commanded. Mm-hmm. And, and watching this kind of showdown, you know, between them two unfold and, and even creation itself will do what the Lord commanded. You know, so the only one in this moment that's not doing what the Lord commanded is the, is the opposition. Mm-hmm. And of course, you'll have that theme, you know, running throughout uh, the plagues, and all the way through the Exodus as well, or, or through the actual Exodus from Egypt, and that's the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you'll see the language moving back and forth, where Pharaoh hardened his heart. I will harden his heart. Mm-hmm. And so you see God taking the pride and the natural tendencies of Pharaoh and turning them back against them, so that they lead to his, you know, to his natural, you know, destruction. Mm-hmm. And I've also thought it was ironic, you know, Katie. Uh, then he said, I will give you the honor of choosing when to pray to remove the frogs. My answer would have been mm-hmm. right now. I know. I <laughs> yeah. was thinking the same thing. You know what? At, uh, uh, but he says tomorrow. So, you know, knowing that God can do what he is, you know, what he wants to do exactly when he wants to do it as his timing uh, and all of that. So I'm not sure if Pharaoh is just trying to be casual there. <laughs> it's not a big deal. Uh, tomorrow, the day after, whenever you want to get around to it. It is interesting that Moses allows Pharaoh to participate in that and make that decision like what an interesting move i don't know why but and you have you know we we, we will you know at the end you know when we get to the final plague you know god will announce that this has been an attack on not only egypt but on their gods and of course you know not every one of these is you know an actual god of egypt but they are the very things that egypt looked to their gods to be able to control and to be able to do And this God is co-opting their power in order to do, you know, the things that they were looking for their gods to do. This, this God is reversing and taking the fortune away from them as well. Uh, you do have, you know, in, in, in many hieroglyphs, you do have the, the frog figure on a human, you know, body. So this is a direct, you know, attack mm-hmm. on one of the gods. The Nile was, you know, considered to be one of the gods. Not in every instance are they actual gods, but this is the domain of Egypt's mm-hmm. gods. And God is invading, taking over the domain and proving both his sovereignty and his power. Yeah. And isn't a river, I mean, this, especially the Nile for them, 
like a source of life. And um, I mean, it's water. It's bringing the streams of water that they drink, um, that they use for all, all sorts of things in their daily lives. And so, I mean, he's striking at this source of life um, for them. And then with blood, which is actually is a, is a life blood, like you mentioned, it's the source of our life. I'm not trying to take this, this illustration too far, or this image too far, but it becomes a source of death. I mean, it stinks. It's, it reeks to them. They're not able to use it. Um, and so it's, it is interesting that our, the first plague is a plague of blood. And then of course the last plague is that blood plays a huge role in saving the, the Israelites. In this instance, yes, blood is a, a symbol of death. Mm-hmm. Um, when you find it in your veins, it is obviously a source of life. When you find it in your drinking water, <laughs> and different issue altogether. Yeah. And, and of course, the extent of the miracle was not, you know, just the Nile, but every every reserve basin that they had, every place that there, you know, was you know was water, mm-hmm. and, and they find themselves, you know, digging, you know, in the Nile, in order to find water. Mm-hmm. No, and then you know, as these kind of potential idols or, or gods are attacked within this culture, you know that we even see in verse ten, Moses replies, "It will be as you say." You know, I'll pray for you so that you may know there is no one like the Lord our God, which we've alluded to is kind of one of the main points of why these things are happening. That maybe just like Egypt, we tend to put our faith and trust in these other things rather than realizing, no, there is just one Lord God mm-hmm. who deserves our trust, who deserves our faith way above and beyond all these lesser things we put our faith in maybe just like the source of water or 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 having just a comfortable life or or whatever we're looking for and so even as we look at this story that happened so long ago we can see so much of it speaking to us today in regards to where our trust is and and who we're putting our faith in well here is a god who is moving heaven and earth and he's moving heaven and earth not just to you know display his power but in order to respond to the cries of his people in order to bring about his salvation. Mm-hmm. And so you see, you know, everything leading up, you know, to a, a far greater picture. Uh, there, there's not, you know, as many dramatics, you know, around the cross, but far more powerful rescue happens on the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, you do have, you know, the darkness, which we'll see a little bit, you know, later this week. And you do have, you know, some of the symbols of judgment and some of the symbols of God's power you know, surrounding the cross, uh, a lot of times we look at these big miracles and we look at the cross and we fail to realize that something deep happened on the cross. Mm-hmm. So it's got power even more than the creation of the universe, even more than the plagues, even more than the miracles of Jesus. What happens to rescue us, regenerate us, to give us a new heart and a new life is of course, God's greatest work of salvation. So these are things that are visible. The greatest work in us is God rescues us mm-hmm. or brings us into an exodus from our bondage and from our slavery to sin mm-hmm. or, or those things that we do not see but every bit as powerful as is working in this particular instance. And David, why don't you close us with a word of prayer? Yeah, no, let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you so much. For your word, thank you how it speaks to us today. It reveals to us who you are. How you're the great and powerful God who, who identifies with his people and saves them dramatically. And so we thank you for the good news of the salvation we've received in Christ. Uh, may that 
be news that um, stirs our affections today. May we be um, renewed and refreshed in the wonder and in the majesty of your amazing rescue and redemption that we experience by grace. So, Father, thank you um, for that good news. Uh, may we marvel at that today. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.